Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. I am Ashley Pickle, the video director for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, and TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. This is when I'm supposed to thank you for spending part of your day with us, regardless. Um, Whether you're watching us on TexasFootball.com, on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice thank you for supporting your local mediocre internet show i am sitting here to my right is our college football insider mike craven howdy sir that was a tremendous like intro oh thank you i don't know how you keep all that in your head don't like fumble across it like it confused me as it was happening it's (laughs) because she sits there with tepper 24 7 yeah usually he gets stuck in her head so listening to tep do that exact thing it just kind of like i'm sure i wake up in the middle of the night going thank you for supporting your local (laughs) internet show (laughs) sitting over there at the helm it's the lady running the ship for the past couple weeks mallory hartley how are you malpal i am doing well happy to be here as always Today is Thursday, January 6th, 322 days until Thanksgiving. January 6th, the birthday of Rowan Atkinson. Does anybody know who that is? No idea. Mr. Bean. <gasps> Bean? Yeah. Anybody? No? Oh, no. Craig looks lost. <laughs> we always send the, beam, the uh, Bean meme. That's yeah. hard to say. Bean meme in our group text because it'll be the one where he goes, <laughs> it's so funny. That dude is so funny. He's looking so too, good, but he's so good. He's such a great actor. Mm-hmm. Like in that Bean movie, I don't. What is it, Mr. Bean's Bean something holiday? Some, I don't know. It's I don't know. Great, great actor. Ob- objectively fantastic. Happy birthday, Mr. Bean. Um, this is episode one thousand three hundred and eight. On today's show, my friends, we will start off with uh, the first of our college football postmortems, where we go through each of the twelve FBS teams and go through give them grades take a look at every aspect today we're going to be doing the rice owls hoot hoot that's why craven is joining us and then in the back half of the show we will talk with the frisco wakeland head coach uh marty secord and their unbelievable season that they have you might remember him beating highland park there in the area round so we are super excited to welcome him on and, and talk about that fantastic season but before we get there mal pal do we have first four through the door we sure do. It was Rob Hadaway, Daniel Agnew, Jake McNeil, and Aaron Arbuckle. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, friends. All right. Since this is college football and this is y'all's world, I'm going to be kind of the timekeeper here, but we're going to let Malpal kind of take the take the helm here in running this segment. So it's time for our 2021 uh, Rice football postmortem. So with that, we turn the hooting over to the lady at the computer. Hoot, hoot. 
Now, we do these in a, a different order every single year. This is my first year doing these postmortems, so I decided that we're going to kind of go from the ground up. Now, in our rankings, Rice is second to last, but since we'll have Ish on next week, and of course Ish is a known Texas State graduate, we'll do Texas State next week instead. Um, but we'll go ahead and start off with our offensive grade. Now, we kind of talked about the offense beforehand a little bit, um, and we're going to give them a C, an overall grade of C. Craven, you want to take it away? Yeah, I mean, they, they only scored 21.5 points a game. They averaged under four yards a rush. You know, as a team, they only had one runner, average over four yards a rush. So it, it was a tough year for Rice. Now, I have a hard time grading Rice's offense negatively because that's an institution that's going to have a hard time recruiting, like, playmakers. Right. You know, they're, they're never going to have that explosive offense or score 40 points. Uh, but Jake Bailey was really good. Uh, they just didn't have any consistency from the quarterback. They started three different quarterbacks over their first four games because of injuries, right. and that kind of trickled throughout the year. Sometimes it was McCaffrey. Sometimes it was Green. Jake Constantine uh, played really well down the stretch. So I thought the offense played better the last month of the year because they finally got some consistency, and they finally had a quarterback that yeah, was able to yeah. multiple games. Uh, but a really tough start uh, on that side of the ball, and they're going to have to get better at the offensive line because at Rice, you need to run the football. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. you're, just, you're just not going to spread the ball out and no. have all these wide receivers and that's just not how Rice is going to be able to recruit. You have to be able to run the football. The best Rice teams can run the football. And this one just didn't really. Ari Broussard had a good year. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty tough go mm -hmm. offensive line-wise and then the running game. Yeah, I was just going to say the offensive line is where I was most disappointed because it's one of those things. Sometimes they, they do a pretty good job. I mean, they always have good sides up front mm -hmm. and everything like that. But it's never – I, they just it was awful yeah. <laughs> it was really bad I guess too real fast we should have I should have done this from the beginning but Rice this season had a, a record of four and eight um, oh, in yes. Mike Bloomgren's first year so he, he's gone since 2018 two and eleven three and nine two and three in that just a wild season last year Let's and go. then four and eight so technically the most wins under Bloomgren so far and I'm curious yeah. how much last year hurt Rice this year yeah you know like I'm because everybody had a weird season last year but Rice only played five games mm -hmm. right and so uh, how much did that impact kind of what they were doing along the offensive line, defensive line? Was that just kind of a lost year even behind the scenes in the weight room? Um, so, yeah, just a, a tough go for Rice offensively this year because of injuries and consistency. And they had a lot of penalties, too. Oh, for, yeah. For yeah. Rice team. They averaged like 7.4 penalties a game, something like that. So a lot of penalties for Rice this year. It was just a weird year. But then you look at the record, they were two overtime losses away from being 6-6. Six and six Exactly. Yeah. I, I was – yeah, so. I was going to say, I mean, they – almost beat North Texas in overtime. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte. I think Charlotte, yeah. yeah. They – that final score to that Arkansas game, it was like 38-17. to 17, But, I mean, it was close for yeah. a while, right? They really played – going in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, they played hard. and Nine they, and four UAB. I was going to say, mean, that was my next one. They beat yeah. UAB. So, that's why I decided to give them an overall grading of a C rather than a D because I think they played as hard as they could have, you know. Switching between four different quarterbacks, it can be kind of difficult. So – with that being said, we'll go ahead and move on to our defensive grade of the season, and we have decided to give them a a D because it's just not good. It was not good to me. That was the most important or the most disappointing part of Rice's football. Like what we talked about earlier, I don't expect Rice to have this explosive offense, mm -mm. but I expect them to play solid, fundamental, sound defense, and they just didn't do that this year. They Gave up 36.17 points per game, yeah. which is insane. Jeez. The red zone defense is where it's really bad. So 
the opponents got into the red zone 59 times against Rice. Mm-hmm. They scored 50 of those times. Ugh. I mean, that's, that's not that's, a math major, that but is not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, conversely, Rice only got into the red zone 38 times. Right. And so it, it was just one of those things where you add in the turnovers, you add in the offense maybe not being as consistent as they needed to be. And the defense, really, they were just atrocious. They mm-hmm. just were not very good defensively. And that's where Rice needs to be good. They should be good, like you said, along the offensive line. They should be able to run the football. And they should play, like, sound defense. They're mm-hmm. not going to have the athletes maybe that everybody else has, but they should play fundamental sound defense, and they, they didn't do that throughout the year. Well, right. and you always take a look at this, and it's one of those things you say, okay, well, they're spending a ton of time out there on the field because the offense isn't getting anything going, mm-hmm. which, yes, inherently is true. But on the other side of that, I mean, from the get-go, it doesn't – you know, that, that starts becoming an excuse in the second half once you've been out there for a long time, once you're tired – this was right off the start. I mean, it was people torching them down low. They couldn't stop the run defense, or they didn't have any run defense. They didn't have any help in the backfield, and that's where it seems like they always struggle a little bit. They need to have some line. They need to recruit heavy on the linebacker position because they really, really need the help up front. Yeah, and I'm thinking if this defense was just a little bit better, that yeah, they could have that six and six record. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's. That's really sad. I mean, if they if they averaged if they gave up twenty eight points a game, mm-hmm. they'd uh-huh. be six and six, seven and five. Um, if you look at their schedule. Now, even down the stretch, they gave up over 30 points the last seven games of the season. Like, so you give up 58 to Texas, that's understandable. Right. Mm-hmm. You give up 44 to Houston, and nobody's going to fault you for that. But in Conference USA games down the stretch, they gave up over 30 in seven of the last seven games. And so uh, just not, not a good showing uh, for Rice defensively. And that that's the part that needs to improve the most. And that's with Elijah Garcia being really good. Right. Yeah. He was a first team all conference USA guy. He Mm -hmm. was on our all state team uh, for Dave Campbell's Elijah Garcia was really good. And they still couldn't really figure out what to do and how to get stops when they needed to. And that's how you lose close games when you can't get off the field. uh, You just you're just not going to win those close games. And they weren't able to do that. Yeah. We're going to move on to our team MVP. We've already mentioned his name once, but we'll mention it again. Jake Bailey, the wide receiver, and I like this guy too because we've talked about it before. They had a, they just had so much inconsistency at that quarterback position, but that one, he he was the kind of the constant out of all of them. You know, no matter who you put at that quarterback position, he was able to perform, and I think that's a big reason why we're giving Jake Bailey the team MVP. I have I have a stat for you. Rice completed 204 passes this year, mm-hmm. 56 of them to Jake Bailey. <laughs> So he accounted for about twenty-seven yeah. percent yeah. of every reception, and and that just goes to show how like one-dimensional Rice was. Right. right. They just they just didn't have the plethora of weapons that you need in a modern offense. You can't just have one wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to blanket coverage. You can double guys. You can take somebody away um, when there's only one guy. They they're going to have to find more weapons uh, next year. But the good news for Rice is Bailey's a sophomore. Uh, and he's going to be good for the next couple of years. Right, and so that goes exactly back to what you were saying about just the consistency of the quarterback position because when they when Jake Constantine was healthy and they finally looked like they were getting a little momentum going there, that is a really good duo that you mm-hmm. can use, you can score with it. So it's like, man, there was so many that fell apart between those two not being able to be on the field enough together Yeah, and the lack of running. Right, right. Well... We'll go ahead and move on to our last part of our postmortems, and that's going to be the expectations that we have for this Rice program heading into the 2022 season. Uh, they've already signed 11 guys during the early signing period. Um, do you have any known targets that you know of that are going to maybe sign when National Signing Day comes around? Uh, I think that's just gotten so hard. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard right. to recruit down there. It, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to recruit, and other teams can go and address needs through the transfer portal. Uh huh. Well, Rice has a really hard time going into the transfer portal because who can transfer to Rice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, academically speaking, you have to. There right. are regulations. Like right. Stanford got uh, a transfer signee today to commit from from OU, and that's only the third transfer to Stanford in David Shaw's whole history wow. at Stanford. And Rice is similar to that mm-hmm. academics wise, and so you just you can't go into the transfer portal and be like, oh, you didn't work out here. Well, come to Rice and play, right? Because you just you're not going to get in most likely, right? And so I do think it's hard to project rice maybe harder than than the other schools because you just don't know who they can get and who they can go sign but they do have a pretty young roster only one of their offensive mm-hmm. linemen was a senior like we just talked about jake bailey a sophomore wiley green who i think is their best quarterback talent wise on the roster uh will be back and if he can stay healthy i think that gives them an added dimension there and you hope that defense grows up uh-huh. and so i with with Rice, we should never have these expectations of like ten win seasons, Conference USA championship. Mm-hmm. Get get to six wins, right? Right. right. Make bowl, a bowl. That's game. the starting get point. To bowl yeah. eligibility, mm-hmm. and then the recruiting picks up. Then you get some more transfers. Then all that kind of starts coming into play. So I think right. Bloomgren, he just needs to get to six wins, and if he can keep his team healthy, they can improve defensively, and they can lower on the uh, the penalties and, and the mistakes on special teams. I think Rice could be a team that gets to six wins. They're just going to have mm-hmm. to do it in Conference USA play because they're always going to lose three out of their four out of conference games. Right. right. And they, they always schedule hard. I was going to say, they is the schedule only, hard. McNeese is really the only winnable game before conference. So now you're asking the team to go five and three in conference. And that's that's a tough ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and I love that you brought up the fact earlier when we were talking about, obviously, the, the two and three season was very wild. If you take a look back at the end of that three and nine season, those last three wins, I don't know if y'all remember, were the last three games of the season. Mm-hmm. Rice, technically, heading into 2020, was the hottest team in Texas on a three-game win streak, mm-hmm. which is wild to think about. Right. But you get that in Bloom's second year, and then the craziness happens in the third year, and this is a program that everyone has – anyone that comes in has to build it up. You can't right. – you're not walking into this cushy, plush job. You're always walking into the very bottom of the barrel and trying to get something out of it. So the fact that in year four, after a true off season with a bunch of young players, that they were able to come in and win four games. Yes, one of them's over Texas Southern, which is a team that has turned it around. Shout out to our guy, mm-hmm. Andrew Body. Regardless, um, it's one of those things. A, a win more each year is – that's is a an realistic right. goal. You can't you can't overhype it. You can't oversell it. Mm-hmm. Just keep adding one more year until you get to that bowl eligible rice team. And with AAC coming up in the in the greater future, you're right. They're yeah. Moving next up. year's big for them. I think yeah. it's also big for Bloom. Do you think he's on the hot seat after next year? Yeah, I mean, I I think he is if he wins three or four games and, and they don't they don't improve a little bit. But like, what do you expect at Rice? Like, I that's what I have a hard time mm-hmm. with that job is like right. I don't know what the expectation expectations are supposed to be. I don't know if the admin, the alumni base, I don't know if they've ever bought all in to what football can do for the university. So you're just kind of there on your own trying to make things work. I do think six wins is attainable. Like we we were talking about earlier, they beat UAB. They lost a couple games in overtime. Like they're right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's not a huge separation. Maybe there is between the top of Conference USA and the bottom. Right. But the middle of Conference USA and the bottom of Conference USA is the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think you, you Rice could do what like North Texas did this year, right? Where they yeah they start off slow, probably one and four, one and five in that way. But if they can get hot at the end of the year, um, they can do pretty well. And I, I just don't know. I don't know how to judge Bloomgren's job and how well he's done or how well he hasn't done because I don't know 
what support you get at Rice mm-hmm. and like what the upside could possibly be even be. I, winning eight games a year at Rice just seems like a fantasy to me. Yeah, right. So it's hard for me to be as hard on a coach at Rice as I maybe would be at one at UTSA or Texas State. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at that point, yeah, I mean, you got to win almost every conference game if you're going to go eight and four, or nine and three, and like obviously you see Conference USA, that seems a little hard. Well, especially now that they're moving into the AAC, that's going to be even harder Mm -hmm. to obtain that goal. I do have one last question before we let you go here. Um, Do you think, and this is totally kind of off the rails a little bit, but do you think that the success that UTEP had this year, and UTEP and Rice have always been, I mean, super comparable. Uh You look at them, you say the same thing of, well, is Dana Dimmel's job really on the line, blah, blah, blah. They go out there and they have an unbelievable season this year. Do you think that does start to put maybe a little bit of added pressure of saying, well, shoot, we went from like last to now we're like really last in Texas? Mm -hmm. For sure. Like I do think Rice has always kind of had a little bit of a leg up on UTEP. And so that kept you from being like bottom of the barrel, Mm -hmm. right? But yeah, if UTEP is improving, UTSA is winning conference championships, North Texas made a bowl game, when all your peers Mm -hmm. are starting to improve and do better, I think it's natural to look at your school and go, well, look, UTSA's figured it out. If they Uh can do it, if they can do it in El Paso, we can do it in Houston. And so I I do think there is that natural tendency of like you compare yourself to your peers. And I think those are better measuring marks than maybe we look at in the state. Like Rice is never going to be Baylor. No. Mm-hmm. Or Texas Tech even, or, or Texas or whatever. But they can be UTEP. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do think that is an important measuring stick where you need to be – you need to keep up with your peers. And if they're all improving around you, then you not improving is much more noticeable right. than if they're also yep. not improving. Yep. So Absolutely. if the state of Texas is going to get better at, like, that level, right, if, if the Conference USA teams in the state are all getting better, that does put an emphasis on Rice to also improve and to, to not have the excuses that maybe we've given them in the mm-hmm. past. Completely agree. Anything else, Mal Pal? No, that was it, I think. All right. Well, there we go. Our 2021, the first of the 12 college football postmortems that we'll do. We'll continue to do them week in and week out. But we're going to start off there with the Rice Owls hoot hoot. Craven, thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks (laughs) for being here. We are Texas Football. Today we're here every weekday at noon talking football in the Lone Star State. We hope that you will consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber. And I put this over here yesterday, so we'll bring it up again. But if you become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at texasfootball.com, you will get this beautiful Texas Football Rising Recruiting Guide mailed directly to you. I mean, we've got over 400 recruits listed in this thing. Of course, that's uh, Denver Harris from North Shore on the cover there. But yeah, if you go ahead and go to texasfootball.com slash subscribe, we will be able to send you one of those. And it's like the Jelly of the Month Club. It's the gift that keeps on giving um, with online content all throughout the year. All right, Malpal, let's head on over to the hotline as we welcome in the head coach of Frisco Wakeland. It is Coach Marty Secord. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are things in beautiful Frisco, Texas? I tell you, it's pretty windy today. Everybody <laughs> in the Metroplex is feeling that you go out there and it's uh, it chills you to the bone. So uh, glad we don't have a game tonight. <laughs> no kidding. And it's only going to get colder. So no fun there. But coach, I mean, first off, man, congratulations on an unbelievable season. Y'all went nine and three. You know, you make it to the third round of the playoffs. The Those dummies over at Dave Campbell's Texas football, we had you picked to finish sixth in your district <laughs> before the season started. So I've, I've got to ask ask you as as the guy that was able to see how the offseason went for you guys 
in August, would you have thought that this team had that caliber to be able to have the season that you had? Oh, absolutely. Without question. I had no doubt. I, I really mean that sincerely because I, 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 I go back to uh, last November when it all started after the playoffs ended for us and got back in the weight room and out on the fields and just uh, able to, to get started with them. And it was a group that just had a, a great commitment and we just had to get the pieces in the right place. And we, we knew we were better than sixth. And so our kids uh, worked with that motivation every day. And I appreciate those who gave it to us. <laughs> well, we are glad to be able to provide at least a little something there. Um, sure. But was there throughout the season, obviously you knew the squad that you had, you knew that they were capable of doing it, but is there a point that you can go back and pinpoint in the middle of the season of going, Oh man, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, and, and you know we just we had so much adversity to overcome. Uh, just, we didn't even get to play our first game against Sulphur Springs with the, the COVID mm-hmm. things, and then um, my wife and I were both out. I had a heart attack during the season. It was it was it was wild. I mean, I, I just and and that's just speaking on a personal note. But you know, God took care of us, and and the kids continue to work. The coaches continue to work, and. And we just knew we had some good senior leadership and that we had a good running back and a good young quarterback that was going to come along and some experience up front. And we knew we had a good defense. You know, our defensive line, I felt like, was one of the better defensive lines uh, in the area and one of the best in the state. And then we had some guys that just stepped it up in the secondary and that linebacker. And all that, you know, made a difference. And the key was just their attitude, you know, towards everything we were doing. And so, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, going into district and, you know, we started out with a big district win, and then and we just kept getting better, you know, and you could see us taking steps along the way, and the offense was progressing, and our defense continued to play well. And we, we knew if we had those combinations that eventually it would come together. And even in the games we lost in district, I mean, and look at our insane region that we <laughs> play in. Uh, you know, we were – we did lose some of those games that looked like a big margin, but man, we were, we were right there. If we just catch the football in the moments and, and we get some uh, scores in the red zone, we got down there, but we couldn't score. And so we really started, you know, focusing ourselves on red zone football offensively and it helped us tremendously. And we were able to get some big wins and, and get in and make a run. I want to go back to your defense for a minute because we knew that, I mean, you had eight returning starters on the defensive side of the ball, that this was going to be the unit that you were able to really rely on while that young offense was able to figure it out. Was that kind of the message to your team heading into the season with those defensive guys of, hey, keep working your tail off, be the unit that we can rely and trust on while this offense kind of picks it up and gets going? Yeah, I would say that's a fair assessment, you know, because, again, we knew we had some good leadership there and we had some runners and some hitters that could make plays and get the ball back for the offense. And, uh, you know, we just – our goal was just to, to create that balance that you're looking for and get your offense uh, to, to come up to that same level and then even hopefully at some point surpass it. And I, I think we peaked at the right time towards the end of the season offensively. And, you know, like I say, our defense played well all year so. You know, it was just a it was a fun group, a, a, a great season. You know, and one that you just you know feel like was a a blessing and and all that you had to overcome. People have no idea, you know, what happens on, from the inside out. But just a lot of a lot of things that uh, you know reared its ugly head at times, and we just uh, we just kept fighting through and pressing on. And uh, you know, we 
again, the teams we're playing, they're, they're not average teams. They're good teams. We play in a great district and a great region. So we knew it would be challenging, but I was just proud of our kids and our coaches for, you know, stepping up each and every week. And then, obviously, yes, making that trek through Region 2 and, and everything that that brings with you. We got to go back and talk about the game that I'm sure everyone in in the Wakeland community will remember for years to come. And that's the Highland Park game in the area around you, you win it on a two-point conversion. The feeling that you had at the end of that game, and, and your guy's been coaching for a long time, the feeling, was that is that going to rank up there in, in one of those top moments of your career? Well, there's there's no question about it. You know, I mean, you, you can't have a win like that and it not mean something to you as a as a coach and the staff and the team. You know, and and as a community and as a high school. I mean, our student body. It was it was an exciting night, but you'd never been there had you not beaten Woodrow Wilson, a good football team in by district. That people, mm-hmm. um, you know, I believe they were underrated, and and that was a tough ball game for us. But just to get into the Highland Park game and your kids. Uh, believing that you had a great opportunity to win the football game and then making the plays to to get that done, that was huge. Because, you know, those guys, and as I've said before, I have great respect for Coach Allen and mm-hmm. worked for him, and I know him well. And what a great program that is, you know, and to be in a position to, to beat a great team like that was awesome. But, uh, you know, I mean, act like you've been there before too, you know, and, and we have. We played in some big games, and, uh, you know, so it was just a another huge game. But it was – it was a great win and one that, uh, you know, nobody will ever forget, that's for sure. We're talking to Frisco, Frisco Wakeland head coach Marty Secord on Get Involved in the Conversation, hashtag TF Today. Um, coach, the guy who ran in that two-point conversion in the Highland Park game, your senior running back, Jared White, I, this was a kid that we knew he was going to be special. He he had been a foundation of, of your offense for a, quite a few years. Now that his time as a Wolverine is over, what – what did Jared White mean to this program and, and to your offense and being a leader? Well, he was a great leader, no question about it. And just, I mean, you you can't outwork him. And, you know, just every every day in the summer and going all the way back again the last winter, he led the way. And uh, you just knew that in that moment, that's who you wanted to, you know, get the ball to. And you knew those kids up front believed in what we were doing and believed that we could move those guys enough to – to give him an opportunity to get into the end zone. And so, uh, you know, I mean, that was, that was a huge, uh, huge deal. And, and no doubt Jared's an outstanding young man. I think he's got a great future ahead of him and it'll be interesting to see you know, where, where that future takes him. And talking about another kid on your squad that seems to have a very bright future ahead of him. I want to talk about your sophomore quarterback, uh, Brandon Meyer there. He comes in, he, he takes over the offense, leads you to an unbelievable season. What did you see from your sophomore quarterback over the course of the season that gives you hope for the great success that you could have in, in the two next years to come? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I see is leadership skills, and, and he has all those intangibles. I mean, he's got a great arm. He's just got great instincts. He knows where to go with the football. He studies the game and understands, you know, um, that he he's got to stay within the the realm of what we're doing but um you know he just he just makes plays and and you know you go down there and watch him uh and you're around him when he's watching film and trying to get better and people are working with him and he takes coaching and just you know and and then he puts in a lot of additional time himself you know just just going to camps and and working seven on seven and doing the things that a quarterback has to do um, you know, in, in our area to be really good because there's some great quarterbacks around here. But he's gonna 
he's definitely going to be a great one and he's off to a great start but he knows better than anybody that he's got to he's got to continue with the work and that's exactly what he'll do but he's a, he's an awesome young man no question and then finally coach i i know it's only january but football coaches never actually shut off their football brains so i have to ask you when you're heading into the off season now and and obviously that season is behind you you're looking forward towards the 2022 season heading into the off season what do you what are you seeing that you like and are very excited for for the team that'll be rolling around in the 2022 football season well i see a, i see another group of kids it'll be a new group of kids but they're they're working and they're they're doing exactly what we ask them to do right now and just trying to get bigger faster stronger quicker meaner and smarter as we call it uh, in the game <laughs> of football and so we're you know, coaches are right now. We're we're talking scheme. We're looking at the clinics we're going to attend. I mean, it, it does really truly never end, and and you just want to try to play to your strengths. And so we're trying to figure out right now. You know, what will those strengths be? And how do we expand on offense? How do we you know replace all those kids on defense? And so it's it's somebody else's turn. And you know, so we're just trying to get the ones that <clears throat> will play you know, in the future, ready to go and hopefully find some surprises. So, you know, every high school coach in the state would tell you the same thing, but that's what we're doing. It's the, it's the great focus on uh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He's Coach Marty Secord, the head coach of those Frisco, Frisco Wakeland Wolverines. Coach, congratulations again on just an outstanding season. Y'all were a blast to watch, and, and hopefully we'll be seeing you around some of those coaching clinics coming up soon. Absolutely. I appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. There he goes. Frisco Wakeland head coach Marty Secord. Goodness gracious. Secord. Secord. Man, <laughs> I must have messed that up 20,000 times. My apologies to Coach. It's kind of a, it's kind of a tongue twister a little bit. Like yeah. Mar Marty Secord. Ma <laughs> you got to say it really quickly or you you, gotta, you're going to mess you it up. You got to get it going. But we always appreciate Coach for joining us. And, and truly, I mean, what he was able to do. I'll tell – I mean, we'll tell a funny story here uh, – for those of you who watch the Football Friday show, um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blow him up, put him on the spot. But CT Steckel, um, his his stepson played on the squad this year. Mm -hmm. He was a senior, um, and obviously CT doesn't get to go to his games because he's unless they play on a Thursday night, which luckily in Frisco ISD will happen quite often. Right. Um, but if it's a Friday night, he doesn't get to go watch his stepson play football because he's in the Valley Sports Working. Southwest mm -hmm. studio. Mm -hmm. um, so he actually in in that area round playoff game, he took off working the show that weekend to go watch Wakeland play Highland Park because wow. he thought he Obviously, he, he knew that Wakeland was a great team and everything, but when you're facing off against the Giant, you know, right. to to be the man, you got to beat the man. And it was like, okay, he didn't want to miss his son's last uh, high school football game. Mm -hmm. And since he was a senior, the everyone at Ballys was like, absolutely, man, go go watch your son play. And um, he was at that game, and obviously it wasn't the last game, no. so he, <laughs> he watched him go. But, I mean, what, a, what an exceptional – experience for him and his family oh, to yeah. be there to watch that win but we actually had uh they 
they VCC'd, which is like basically a Skype in that Skype system that Bally uses. They VCC'd with CT and his stepson at the game yeah. that night. So he still got to be on the show and everything. But I mean, yeah, that was one of those games that it's going to be like the China Spring Carthage game this year. You know, everyone's never gonna forget. going to remember that. And, right. and to do it on a two-point conversion and coach said, you know, there's there's never a doubt in that moment that you're going to go for it. But yeah. just a, a remarkable season and really a way for Wakeland to to puff out their chest and say, look, Lone Star isn't the only Frisco team that can go far. Frisco right. High isn't the only one. Wakeland is right there in that contention now. And and what a job that Coach DeCord had done all season long to get them there. Right. I was going to say, it's, it's difficult to play in a district where you've got five, six, even seven other high schools, you know, that mm-hmm. you compete against. It's really hard to stand out Well, they out got Denton Ryan in their district. Right. It's hard to stand out, all these other Frisco schools. So, I mean, yeah, them making a name for themselves and just that win against Highland Park, I mean, that's that's what they're doing. They're, right. they're standing out. Yeah, and it's one thing to make it through that district with Denton Ryan, with Lone yeah. Star, with all of the teams that are in there. But to then turn around and have to be punched in the mouth again in the playoffs in uh-huh. that region, too, of, I mean, that is the region of doom when you look at it with College Station, with Frisco yeah. Lone Star, with Ditton Ryan. I mean, it's week after week of getting just punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And they went out there and did it. And, you know, like he said, there was a lot of adversity that a lot of people outside the program didn't even know mm-hmm. about. So, I mean, just really, truly spectacular what the Wolverines were able to put together. And they've got a young team and. We're we'll probably see what not going to rank them yeah. six this time. <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate uh, exactly appreciate Coach hopping on and talking with us. All right, Malpal, uh, we're going to head over to the helm for America's favorite segment. Final thoughts. Well, we'll do a little bit of a programming note. Uh, this is our last show of the week. Yes, we are both doing some stuff tomorrow. Peace and out. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> taking a little bit of a break. No, no. Um, but yeah, so we will be back next week. I believe we'll we'll have all five days of show mm-hmm. next week. Um, also, I just want to say, um, I don't know if Mike Craven has ever been on TFT before. He um, has. He has. Yeah, once or twice, Okay. I think. Well, I was just going to shout him out. He has done a phenomenal job with our college football coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a couple pieces out right now. Um, he's got a piece over the new SMU head coach, Rhett Lashley. He also did one over si- Sonny, Sonny Dykes. Dykes, the TCU head coach now. Um, so go ahead and check those out on our website. I know it'd mean a lot to him um, to do that, but they're they're just phenomenal um, pieces. So yeah, the really, time to read them. Really appreciate Craven hopping on with us. And of course, you know, if you if you want more college football talk, check out our podcast, their podcast. Uh, yes. The Republic of Football. Republic of Football. I totally blanked on that. I, that, I almost said this week in recruiting. I almost said this week in <laughs> recruiting, and then I was like, that one podcast. No grip. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not grim. what we're talking about today. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Make sure to like us, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's YouTube, youtube.com slash Dave Campbell's TF on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, follow us on Twitter at DCTF and see all of our coverage every single day of the year on texasfootball.com. Thank you to our guest, Mike Craven, our college football insider, to Frisco Wakeland head coach, Marty Secord. For Mallory Hartley, I'm Ashley Pickle. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. Again, no show tomorrow, but we will be back on Monday for a full five days of shows. We'll see you next week on Texas Football Today.